This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me, as usual, are Richard Halls. Hello, everyone. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. We have three new reviews for you this week. We're going to kick off for the second time in a row with Nicolas Cage in The Retirement Plan. Then we have Fear the Night and 1031 Part 3, an anthology story set around Halloween. Our short shot this week is The Reckoning of Darkness. And we're going to wind up with our DTV throwback, Dirk Benedict, of all people, in Shadow Force. So, without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film, then, is The Retirement Plan. After she and her husband run into serious trouble with organised crime, a young woman sends her daughter to the only place she can think of, her estranged father living out his retirement in the Cayman Islands. Uh, So, as I said, guys, this is uh, the second uh, consecutive week with a Nick Cage film. Uh, We were kind of pretty ambivalent about Sympathy for the Devil last week. So I'm interested to see whether or not uh, you guys feel this is an improvement. Over to Steve. Yes, I think it is. Um, it's still a little bit slight, I thought. Um, when you've got the stats, stats that you've got, really. I mean, you know, Nick Cage, Ashley Green, Ron Perlman, Jack Earl Haley, Ernie Hudson... You know, you've got some heavyweights in there, but it's just a little bit too slight for me. Um, Actually, Steve, I'll have to stop you there. Can you just run through the names of the um, the people in this cast again? The cast are characters. Uh, well, the cast. Yeah. Nick Cage. Whoosh! Ashley Green. Whoosh! <laughs> Okay. I was getting so fucked off with that all the way through the bloody film. But carry oh, on. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. I get, get away from it from now. <laughs> I thought I was going fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. That's true as well. But it's because of this fucking film that thinks it's still in the bloody 90s. I digress. Carry on. Yeah. I know, I know you love it when there's a, a mm. sort of a crime film where they do like name fucking captions. We don't need <laughs> it. Not fucking stupid. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he did remind me of Zombieland a bit, actually, of when yeah. I was doing that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun, like, romp, but I just think it needed a little bit more seriousness. I don't know why. It just didn't didn't grab me. You know, it was it was, it was was okay. It was fun. Uh, I re- especially enjoyed the, um, the Ron Perlman and the little girl together. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Mm. Uh they were they were great together, but it, it's you know it's find the McGuffin, get the McGuffin back type thing, and it just gets a little bit too too many twists and turns right at the end. I thought as well with how it mm. 
you know, what Aha, happens. I've got, I've got the hard drive. Bang. No, I've yeah. got the hard drive. Bang. No, I've yeah. got the hard drive. Yes. Yeah. But Mission, Mission Impossible at the end. But apart yeah. from that, yeah, all around, it was quite good. Quite a decent film. Mm-hmm. Um, as you may have guessed, the the whiplash title screens telling us who the names of the characters are, sometimes literally after somebody has just spoken their name, yeah. um, was incredibly irksome, especially as well when characters were getting introduced midway through the film and still all of a sudden we're getting the whiplash. Here's the character's name. Even though yeah. it's like, oh, hey, Doug. And then suddenly splash Doug across the screen. It's like, for <laughs> sake. It's so annoying. You know, it's not the 90s anymore or the two, early 2000s when everyone was doing this, you know, like the losers and things like that. And God knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, other than that, um, I thought the tone was very uneven um, all the way through. Uh, sometimes the threat level was too high or, or too slight or, you know, it was too serious or not too serious. Um, I have no idea what film Jackie Earl Haley thought he was in <laughs> um, at all, you know, because he, he just he, he was just at odds with the tone of the film every time he was on. Every time Nick Cage is on the screen, it works gangbusters because yeah. he is great in this. Um, he is playing a proper character. I love the bit when he fools the, the you know the first couple of henchmen. When he's like, "Oh, me back!" Oh, you know, sort of, you know, really, really playing up the old, the old man kind of thing. I thought that was really cool. Um, all that was great. Um, as you say, Ron Perlman was was super. There used to be a series of um, Bugs Bunny cartoons way back when, which featured two gangsters. One was a really short one, and one was a really big one. And he he reminded me of the big gangster in the in these Bugs Bunny cartoons. You know, the the, the yeah. tone of his voice. And he never loses his sunglasses, you know. Um, he's he's just like a real old school heavy kind of guy, you know. Uh, no nonsense. Uh, probably not many brain cells either, but you know, just a no nonsense heavy. And I thought he he nailed that brilliantly. Um, well, that's what he was doing, kind of playing against that, wasn't he? Because he was hmm. like, "Oh, you think I don't read Shakespeare and stuff?" And he's like, <laughs> he's like quoting Othello and yeah. whatnot. No, it's all good fun. Um, but yes, it's it's uneven, unfortunately. And, and as I again was saying about the ending, you know, it's just like it's almost like a line of character. You know, you know the bit in Airplane where people are lining up to hit this hysterical woman. Yeah, it's kind, yeah. it's yeah. kind of like that, except it's like you know everyone thinks they're winning until they're not. Yeah, and you know, it, how many rugs are we standing on that need to be pulled from un- from under us to before we get to the truth, sort of thing? But and then it just ends. It's like, okay, we we will we'll trust you with um, you know, certain people's lives, and we'll just disappear, shall we? Bye, you know, and cut, hit hit the after party. But um, I did like the boat. I must admit, they escaped on. I thought it was um, yeah, it looked rather smart. They did like that. Uh, Rich, how did you compare this one to Sympathy of the Devil? Well, the funny thing was, out of the two, Sympathy for the Devil was one I re- was really looking forward to. This one, I was kind of like, oh, really? It kind of, mm. it looks like it's a knockabout comedy kind of thing. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm really not sure about it. 
And then I actually ended up enjoying this a lot more. And it's not a knockabout comedy. I mean, I know what you're saying the, the, about the uneven tone, but it's much more veering on the side of serious crime action kind of uh, mm. film. And it's almost like Nick Cage is in a completely different film. You know, you were saying the same about Jackie O'Haley, but it felt more like for me, like Nicolas Cage was, he was doing the, you know, I think it was Army of One. Do you remember that film he did mm. with um, Russell Brand and stuff? The, um, uh, so the, He's doing this sort of wild head. He's, I think he's supposed to be playing a character who's older than he actually is, slightly older anyway, because mm. obviously he is old enough to be a grandparent, but he's more, he's, he, he doesn't typically play grandpa characters. So I think he's supposed to be slightly older. But the, um, but the general, I mean, from the opening of the movie, it's like really quite grim and intense, yeah. some of what happens. And there's actually a lot going on. I mean, the, um, when the, the, the action scenes and violence in the film, it's not it's not comedy stuff. Oh, no. It's like really serious. It's like no, whoa, it's really, Jesus! There's, yeah, there's the violence a is pretty gratuitous. Like people, you know, you know, falling from a great distance and landing on their heads and all this sort of stuff going. That's a really good shot. That one. That's yeah, a really yeah. good, really well executed moment. And then um, Nicholas Cage like literally just slashes this guy's throat like gra graphically. It was like whoa, <laughs> Jesus! Um, so I thought, it, uh, yes, it, it's that same ensemble crime, you know, uh, whooshy card thing. Uh, I thought similar in ways to uh, Payback with the, uh, Luke Goss, obviously a much lower, uh, sort of a lower budget film, but um, similar there. And I thought this was a lot better. I loved the cast. The cast was great. Um, uh, I, I, I'd be very upset if I was Jackie L. Haley because his, you know, his name is like right there on the opening credits, misspelled <laughs> with uh, with uh, two, two e double e double a. Um, RLE, they do correct it. They have it correct in the end credits, but I was just like, "What, really?" Because the opening credits just look really bland. They're not very good, which also right. sort of seems like an omen for a bad type. Because I was like, "Oh, they haven't put any effort in." You know, it's a really dull font. The type, so, but the but it's shot really nicely. It looks good. Um, yeah. So the tone of it is kind of all over the place. But that's a bit. That also then reminded me of uh, Fubar recently with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. uh, and Jean-Claude Van Johnson even more so the latter because that series is such a wild sort of the tone is so all over the place in that I mean it's it's absurd for the most part but there's some bits that it gets really sort of quite dark so um which I do highly recommend that's that's now on freebie so there's no excuse not to go and see it um if you haven't yet um but yeah those two series sort of um mix the sort of quite serious comic they seem comedies on the outside but that sometimes they sort of go in sort of dark areas and stuff and that's what this does this it seemed like it seemed like it was going to be a comedy but it's kind of more the other way around it's more of a crime straight crime film with a bit of comedy with bit comical elements in it you know it's like all the stuff with like you say jackie o'haley and whatnot um uh, is really serious the um uh, the Ron Perlman stuff's a bit more sort of sweet, but still with an edge on it. You know, like you say, Ron Perlman's kind of, um, he, he'd done this sort of stuff a million times before, you know, playing the sort of, mm. you know, lovable, heavy kind of characters, you know, include, you know, he's sort of channeled that into Hellboy and stuff. There's a film, there's a short film. I think it was, um, um, I watched the trailer for it because I don't, I've never been able to find it to be able to see it. Um, it's called Elwood. I'm pretty sure it was directed by Lewis Mandalore. Hmm. Um, and it's got a fantastic cast. And one of them is uh, Ron Perlman. But it's not Ron Perlman being Ron Perlman. It's Ron Perlman as like a CGI dog character. Okay. Um, but in but in a real 
you know, mixing mixing up with with Rulka. Anyway, that's an aside. But um, yeah, he's been doing all sorts of stuff like that for years. He's great. The little girl was really good. You know, that that can be dangerous. You know, dodgy. You know, the little 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 kids getting involved. Uh, they can be a bit annoying, but I thought she was really good. Hmm. Ernie Hudson turns up. He's he's great. This film really surprised me on so many levels that I was I was as although I don't think it's perfect, and I do think I was a bit sideswiped by some of the stuff in it. I actually like that about it. So so it made it really refreshing and interesting. And and um, you know, whereas sympathy for the devil would did give you that wild Nicolas Cage performance. There wasn't really anything else. There was nothing else going on really. Yeah. A little bit of tension, a little bit of a twist at the end, but you know, not not that much more here. You've got Nicolas Cage, but you've got this whole other, all this other stuff going on as well. And yeah, I kind of thought the um, searching for a hard drive. I mean, at one point, there's a whole uh, bit where one of the henchmen gets a bit um, persnickety with uh, Ron Perlman saying, "Oh, it's not a disc. Yeah, it's yeah. a hard drive." Uh, whatever. And it's just like this is like the. It's just not like even Steve that. There is it. It's just a key. It's just a fucking. Well, that's what I mean. They say hard drive, but it's 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 a, a, it's a pen drive, drive, isn't it? It's, it's a, a it's a it's a USB, USB stick, stick. It's a memory exactly. stick. There you go. So it's literally the same plot people have been using since like the 1980s, and especially in the 90s, mm-hmm. as it's like as Steve was saying, is like the MacGuffin that <laughs> everyone was using. You know, whatever it was. It's the um, rabbit's even, foot. <laughs> the rabbit's the knock list, whatever it yeah. is, all that stuff. Um, uh, it used, used to be a floppy disk, then it was a CD, then it's a memory stick. Anyway, it just keeps changing. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, the, a couple of gripes, but, uh, yeah, overall, big thumbs up from me for this one. Cool. Scores on the doors then. Steve? I'll give it a seven. Mm-hmm. And Rich? I'm... Because it's got such a great cast and everything, I think I'm going to give it an eight. I'm a petty man, guys. Sometimes I can be really, really petty, and I really hated those bloody whiplash fucking name cards. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's right up there with, with in media res as, as mm. a bugbear. Um, Polar did it as well, didn't it? Why do they all do it? Why? No. I mean, it's such a tired it's, thing. It is, it is very tired. You know, half the time we don't even need to know the name of the bloody characters. But there you go. So I'm giving it a six. I'm docking it. It would have been a seven. It would have been a very entertaining seven if it wasn't for those stupid title cards. So there you go. A six, a seven, and an eight for the retirement plan. Go check it out. Our next review is Fear the Night. An army veteran joins her sister and friends on a bachelorette party at their parents' remote farmhouse, only to be besieged by home invaders who have no intention of leaving any live witnesses. Now, I did mention my bugbear of in media res just just a couple of seconds ago. And lo and behold, not only do we get in media res, we get a nonsensical in media res moment. Because, yeah. oh my God, talk about shooting. I mean, I like this film. Don't get me wrong, I do like this film. It does get pretty decent as it goes on. However, this stupid scene at the beginning of the film, okay, so we see Maggie Q walking down this dirt track road. She's got, you know, blood on her face, clothes, whatever. And then, for you know, that's it. We we suddenly jump back 24 hours later. It specifically says 24 hours later. Oh, sorry, earlier. Okay. 
starting mm. at 7.06 a.m. Maggie Q walking down that dirt track in darkness. Maggie Q packing her, you know, getting ready for this party at 7.06 a.m. in complete mm. sunshine. Yeah. So there's that for a start. Okay. It takes a while for this to get moving. Um, there's a lot of bickering with the sister and friends. You know, Maggie Q's character doesn't fit in. She's a Iraqi veteran, saw action, became an alcoholic when she came back, you know, has been recovering since, and everyone's kind of walking on eggshells around her. It's a bit of a mess until they get to the obligatory service station where they run into a couple of yokels. Then I'm on board. From that moment on, when we get the obligatory service station moment, the gas station, I'm on board from then onwards. Um, I did enjoy this a lot. Anyway, over to Steve. What did you make of Fear the Night? Well, it's kind of like you're saying, one of your bugbears, one of mine as well, um, the time thing. Oh, yeah, yes, exactly. Because, it, again, it's it's nonsensical. We don't need it. Yeah. And, yeah, why do I always go out? They always go out of their way to make it like a really, like... Weird time, uh, like yeah. 19... Like 307 or, or something. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that kind of pissed you off. It kind of it stopped the flow of the film, and it was just, yeah, really annoying. Uh, but it's... <sighs> right. My book there as well with this is... So it's written and directed by Neil Neil, Neil Butte, yes. Yeah. Now, to me, there's been questions in some of his other work saying that it's quite misogynistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, obviously, The Wicker Man and, was it Friends and Neighbours? Yeah. Yeah, oh, in God, the Company yeah. of Men was the in first the one. Of men, yeah, yeah. Company of Men, that's all I'm thinking of, sorry. And to me, this just seems like a bit of a, well, look, I'm not, you know, look, look at it's all these, you know, the women are lovely and blah, blah, blah. It just seems like that, a response to that in a way, to me. Uh, but I thought Maggie Hugh was great. And like I say, it does take a bit to get going, but when it does and the shit starts going down, I, yeah, I thought it was actually pretty enjoyable to be fair um the only and again it's like <sighs> typical oh we need we want the money you know and it's mm. all it's quite a bit of misdirect not not like like the yokels have got it all wrong got the story all wrong basically mm. you know because the guys have said all their girlfriends and stuff but it's, it's just two of them, and they've got like eight women and the girlfriends. You know, it's like, well, hang on a minute. It, yeah. The numbers don't add up here at all. But little niggles, but apart from that, it was actually pretty enjoyable, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, Rich, over to you. What did you make of Fear the Night? Yeah, I, I did like it. It's basically Die Hard in a House. Um, when you sort of get down to it, we've seen but, but loads sort of... of this sort of thing. You know, I mean, you're next. Um, yeah, you know, things like that. Um, I'm looking at Ready or Not right now. Yeah, it's, it's all that sort of stuff. Um, well, it's, I mean, in those, I, I 
yeah, I mean, I was thinking more of the case of like she's like the John McClane and she's going mm-hmm. around and, and taking out the the uh, the people, especially in this case because they're after some money. It's the same thing. But the um, the other thing that it, I thought it was a lot like was the uh, I think we covered it, the assault, the Jim Winorski film about mm-hmm. the women's shelter, women's shelter under yeah. siege. They, in that one, you know, they're all they're on the outside and they're trying to get in. And whatever, but it's slightly different. The other thing that it reminded me of was the Jason Statham film. Uh, I think it was called Homefront. Yeah, uh, written written by Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I thought that I thought the the bad the the sort of who uh, was local, the baddie in that? It wasn't Joaquin um, Phoenix? It was um, in that film. It was James Franco. I James think. Franco. That was it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a bit random that this is Neil LeBute. Um, although having a look at his recent filmography, it is kind of all over the place doing like TV shows like Van Helsing and mm. and um, you know. Uh, he obviously did the Wicker Man, which was quite surprising. Obviously, there's a, another Nicholas Cage link there. The um, um, yeah. So his his career is kind of he started out in like you say in the Company of Men, um, which that was side you know oh you're ruined after that film the ending of that it's just um, it, um that you can't forget that I mean that's that's the film that made um you know Aaron Eckhart kind of you know made his you know broke it was his breakout and stuff and uh, yeah uh, so Neil Labute's this. He's a very good filmmaker, very good playwright, um, but his his filmmaking career has sort of veered around. And I think this is one of the this is sort of a weird place that he's ended up directing directing an action movie, um, essentially. Um, the though there obviously there is sort of uh, play like elements to it, so um, maybe that's what held appeal. His um, the Maggie Q is quite an quite a good and. Protagonist, she's quite antagonistic. She's not mm. very appealing. You know, it's it's you, you, you. She's kind of hard to warm to, um, but that's by design. That's her character. That's her defenses that she's put up. Although she, there's there's an indication that she's kind of always been like that, but like that it's been sort of like aggravated by her experiences and, and what's mm. what's happened to her. Um, uh, so you get all the antagonists. And uh, antagonistic sort of discussions. I think her sister is played by um, who, uh, funnily enough, uh, I mentioned it a minute ago, John Claude Van Johnson. She was in that. Um, and she, she was very good in that. Uh, she, she's uh, there. Um, so they're at each other quite a lot, which is, is fine. Gets a little bit tiresome, but it's fine. Um, but it, yeah, it's really when the action kicks in, uh, like you say, when you get to the gas station, when the, when the sort of. Um, uh, the threat sort of big, sort of starts to loom, uh, and you kind of get an indication of, of where it's going. Um, I think you, you kind of see, you kind of know exactly what's going to happen. Say, like a standard action film, you, it's there's not a lot of surprises here, but um, it's um, it's enjoyable. I thought the action was well staged. You know, there's not tons of action, but um, you know the, the the fights and and you know beatdowns and whatever are, are effectively done. Um, there's some nasty stuff with some bow and arrows that are being used, uh, or, or crossbow, I should say. I think it's crossbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. It's 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 quite slight, really. That's what really surprised me. You know, Neil LeBute making a film that's so routine and quite slight. Not to say it's a, not not a bad film. It's just this is the kind of thing I I expect to come from. A, a, a standard sort of DTV director, 
you know, like a Roll Rain or, or you know, yeah. um, Don Michael Paul or whoever it is, not from, you know, one of the sort of, you know, prestige filmmakers of, you know, of his generation to a, to a degree. So, um, so yeah, um, that's, that, that's really random. Yeah. But, I think if it was one of those two directors you just mentioned, they'd have cut to the chase a lot earlier. But there you go. So, yeah. Why, does... why do we need a title card that says epilogue at the end? You know, stuff like that. Why, why do we yeah. need that? Um, <laughs> see, that bit, that epilogue was kind of interesting in itself. But why put a title card saying epilogue? Well, exactly. That seems a bit pretentious to me. But... Just a little bit. I snail the boot, I guess. But, um, his wife's in the cast, by the way. Gia Cravatin, I think, is his wife. And that, that epilogue was, was, was interesting, though, because it, it goes to a place that a lot of these films don't. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of films will have you go, go oh, and I guess everyone lives happily ever after with no consequences whatsoever, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing. But at least this one actually sort of goes, well, you know, there are questions that we are sort of thing. And I did like the fact that, you know, they'd sort of spun a particular sort of story to get out of it. The, the other trope, I mean, we talked earlier about things I don't like. This contains something I do like um, as, as a trope, and that is... Um, bad guys who totally underestimate who they're dealing with. Yeah. 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 So you get the um, not not only that sort of bit in the service station or the gas station, you know, where she's having that sort of verbal conversation, that little tete a tete with the guys. That was quite amusing in itself. But there's a bit, you know, these guys have killed three women, and then mm. they are totally shocked and affronted by the fact that one of theirs has been killed. It's yeah. like, oh my god, they killed Gary. It's like. What? He's Gary's dead? Oh my god! You know, it's like you've just killed three women. Yeah, you know, why are you surprised that it's, it's kind of like Russia complaining that Ukraine's attacking them? Yeah, and, and you know, it's <laughs> like, well, what do you expect's going to happen? You know, at the end of the day, you're not going to roll over and just sort of, you know, bend over and expect to kiss their ass or something. But yeah, I, I do, I do like those sort of moments when, when suddenly, you know shit becomes real and they lose that sort of a bit of that macho posturing kind of thing you know um i always like that sort of thing it's good fun um yeah oh and the moment when uh maggie q finds that you know she, she finds the two quote unquote caretakers who've been using mm. the place you know to, to grow weed and stuff and they're going oh we told them you were our girlfriends and you look at them and go you fucking assholes! It's like you, 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 you know. Oh, it's, it's just like you, you, you guys. <laughs> Seriously, you know, bloody. Yeah, that's funny. So, okay, so on the scoreboards, how are we going to score it, uh, Steve? Um, I'll give it another seven. Mm -hmm. I'm going to join you on a seven for this one. I wish I could have given it more, um, but it does sort of piss around too much um, mm. with the whole character stuff and the bickering uh, before it really you know, develops into a proper sort of thriller for me. And yeah. Rich? Yeah, I'm gonna, I think it's a solid seven. Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, it's it's good. It's well made. There's, as I say, the slight little niggles, but yeah, very entertaining. I'm I'm turning a blind eye to that stupid, stupid bloody immediate res that didn't go anywhere or even make sense. You don't even see a moment in the film where she's walking no. down that dirt track, it's it's no. just it's it's something which doesn't happen, and you know. But there we go. Anyway, okay, so it's three sevens for Fear the Night, 
go check it out. Our next film is 1031 Part 3. This is an anthology of stories set around Halloween. Uh, this is a very low budget um, Halloween anthology, Steve. You can't, cannot get yeah. around that fact. It is yeah. most apparent um, with the acting, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think that is where this falls down. I think some of the writing is actually pretty decent overall. And yeah. some of the special effects work is actually quite good. And it's, you know, the overall tone of the stories is quite grim. So it does have a lot going for it. Unfortunately, it is that acting element. Um, you know, they, they give as good as they can, but I think it is the film's downfall. You know, it, it is its most detrimental thing. And and but um what did you what do you make of it overall? Because it because it starts off with a bunch of trailers, and I was like, okay, this is a little bit weird. Um, yeah. and it was only at the end of the film I realised that those trailers were actually made for the film. You know, it's it's kind of like a you know a grindhouse situation. I I, I literally yeah. thought, oh, these these are other films that are going to come out from the same studio or something. Yeah, that's what I thought. To be honest with you, I, I, I thought I'd missed something. <laughs> oh, I'm like, is it is it is this it? Is it starting? I, I I literally thought it was going to be like an hour and a half of, of trailers. It was weird. Because there's no like studio thing at the front of it. It just boom straight in. I mean, I'd, maybe because it, it's cheap. I, I don't know. Mm. But, it, was, it was only in the credits when I was sort of looking at the names, you know, the, the different titles for the, mm. the segments. I'm going, hey, I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. And then going back, go, oh, it's the trailer. Yeah. No. <laughs> now, yeah, I agree with everything you said to be honest um the acting was absolutely terrible i mean i know anthologies you normally get you know maybe one or two standouts mm. and then the rest are a bit middling but this did absolutely nothing for me whatsoever i mean like i say some of the writing is quite good but it, 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 it's terrible. The acting is so awful. I mean, like I think it's the last one, yeah, where you've got the guy in the basement, and you know, I have no idea what was. Yeah, what what was going on there? I have no idea. You know, they they no. break into this house for some reason. They they follow it. They follow this drunk girl going into the house or something for some reason, yeah. and then they they find her sort of chained in the basement with this guy torturing her. Yeah. And then they all yeah, die. And, like, and they're like, oh, no, what are you doing? Leave her. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Or, or, oh, my, oh, oh, my God, you scared me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, was, unfortunately. Because the, the mummy one, well, again, it's still a bit old TT, but it was, it was better, you know, slightly better, mm. but... It was the last one that really did me. And what was the other one? No, got it the was the, 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 uh, the locksmith one, which 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 was my favourite of the, of the bunch, I must admit. Yeah. And, and then yeah. there was the jack-in-the-box one, which I think that kind of worked. Mm. You know, that they know it's a haunted jack-in-the-box, so they're all prepared with weapons and stuff for what's going to come out of it. And, yeah. And chaos ensues. I thought that was yeah. quite good. But the, the locksmith one was... A bit weird, and again, it's it's that sort of 
you know, it, it, it's willing to be nasty with it, with uh, what it what it does. Um, you know, you got things like him sort of smashing in somebody's head with a hammer, and as he pulls the hammer away, it's got you know bits of hair and blood sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it was willing to do that, which is great. Um, I'm I'm sure it will find its audience, um, especially sort of like you know after the pub shut, beer and pizza kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, you, you could have it on the background. You're not really listening to it. You're just sort of following along. I think it, that would work. Yeah. Um, I, God knows what parts one and two were like of this anthology. Um, no. But it was. I mean, yeah. To be fair, I think it is probably you know same. I imagine it would be. Yeah. I, I imagine it would be the same sort of production values for sure. But yeah. you know, it was reasonably consistent. You know, in, in tone uh, from one story to the next. Um, you know, unfortunately, that that is true for the acting as well. But o- yeah. overall, you know, um, I, I'm willing to give this. A, I, I'm going to be uh, generous. I'm giving it a six out of ten. No, no, I can't do it. I can't. Do it. Um, honestly, I'll, I'll give it a four. All right. So a four and a six for 1031 part three. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is The Reckoning of Darkness. A ship's captain and a doctor living in a remote community debrief each other on the fate of one Dr. Victor von Frankenstein. Um, This is labelled as a sort of proof of concept film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about 30 minutes long. And it is probably one of the most beautifully shot shorts we've seen in a while. The production values for this are very high. Lots of great sort of drone tracking shots over, you know, desolate um, coastal scenes and things. I don't know where it was filmed. It looks like Greenland or somewhere like that. I, I think that's the idea. Um it looks great. It, it's pretty well acted. You know, great costumes all the way through. Um, keeps the violence off screen. You know, it, it's, it's a very sort of talky one. But I think it works very well. It, it, it's, it's kind of taking the end of the novel of, of Frankenstein and sort of developing a little bit. Um, but I think it works very well. Uh, Steve, what did you make of The Reckoning of Darkness? Uh, yeah, for it's absolutely gorgeous to look at. Um, well done. Actually, acted very well. I, I really enjoyed it. To be fair, um, I just wish it was like a feature length. It kind of reminded me of like a Steve Lawson film with mm. a budget. Yeah, in a way, you know, um, in a good way. Um, you know, <laughs> but. Considering we yeah. like Steve Lawson's films, and then we're sort of saying, yeah, they, we, we like that stuff, but this is that done with, you know, polish, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, But no, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I'd like to say I wish it would have been a feature, to be fair. Mm. Now, looking at it, it was made in 2018. All right. Yes. So I'm guessing... I don't know, maybe they're still trying to get funding or they're just not bothered with it, but 
I wish they would because I don't know last time I'm a good Frankenstein probably Kenneth Branagh's I think that was their last proper attempt yeah yeah I just I, I, to be honest and I think that they would have done would have done a really good job on it to be fair I think it was mm-hmm. really enjoyable I think the only, the only thing for me uh, the only sort of criticism is it takes a while to settle down. There's sort of um, there's lots of scenes at the beginning, sort of jumping between mm. characters and times, and it's a little bit difficult to sort of work out, you know, who's speaking to who in what order. Yeah. A little bit, you know, and then eventually it sort of settles down into you know longer scenes, and you can sort of get mm. a grasp of what's going on. Uh, Rich, you curated this one for us. What have you got to say for yourself? Uh, I initially saw it uh, a while ago. I I. I'd been curious about it. It's directed by a guy called Christopher Kulikowski, mm-hmm. who's uh, who directed a film, uh, a feature called Retrograde, starring uh, Dolph Lundgren and Gary Daniels, mm-hmm. way back when. Uh, and he's he's that's one of I think only two feature cre- directing credits. He does a lot of um, uh, production management, productions uh, supervising uh, for you know ve- all sorts of uh, different films, but these were like. Um, this was like his, uh, his like opportunities and uh, uh, retrogrades suffered a lot from uh, it was made at sort of the tail end of the franchise pictures era where they were really slashing the budgets. Mm. So um, I think it, you know, it was supposed to be one thing. And then by the time they were actually filming it, they had barely any money to actually make it. So it looks really, um, you know, not quite the film it should have been. And uh, but I've always been sort of interested to see what else, he did, um, and this is this really shows, I think, what what he's capable of if you give him the time and money. Uh, it was it's an adaptation of a play um, based on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, a play called um, Victor um, by Alastair Faulkner, and I think that's the idea is that he was trying to take take this um, to the to the screen uh, as a feature. Um, yeah, so I, he sent me a link and I watched it and I thought it was really good. But it's never been publicly available uh, until uh, recently. I found it was um, the the B movie actor uh, Tim Abel oh, is yeah. in the cast here. I think he's only in it a small amount. I think he's like one of the guys you see first of all. I think he's only got a few scenes, hmm. um, but uh, he's posted it on his uh, Vimeo, hopefully with consent. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, it's on there, and I say it's publicly available now. Uh, and uh, I just thought it was, it's it's a film that's really worth seeing. Sure, it's a proof concept. There's no resolution or whatever, but it's very well. It's very really, really interesting. Um, it like you say, it does jump about a bit before it settles down, but it, it's very engaging. It's it's you know it, it draws you in. I think it is it, if they had been able to make a feature, I think it would have been really interesting. Yeah. I think possibly the you know it's it's ne- it's you know never say never with these things, but you know. It's been five years now. We know that some films take even longer than that to actually develop. So, you know, hopefully, but, um, you know, oftentimes we see that that a lot of these proof of concept shorts never sort of, unfortunately, especially after this sort of amount of time, don't develop into something else. Every now, you know, every now and again, there's something else like a, um, like Sound of Silence we had last week, which was a two minute short, which got fleshed out. Um, You get stuff like that, but, um, I think in this case, it's it's something that's really f- sort of probably flying quite low under the radar now. And, you know, I think it's, 
you know, the, in its current form is probably the best chance that it's going to have for, for people to, you know, appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Well worth checking out. It's about 20, say, about 26, 27 minutes long. Um, and I think if you like gothic horror and stuff like that, you're definitely not going to regret spending the time on it. Absolutely. And as you said, you know, if you like Steve Lawson's work as well, which um, uh, we, we certainly liken this to with polish, with you know, a bit more money um, around it. Um, we don't score the shorts, but we certainly recommend you go check them out and you'll find a link to this in the footnotes below. Our DTV throwback this week is Shadow Force. A homicide detective from Kansas City begins to investigate the circumstances of the death of his brother-in-law, who himself was a police sergeant, and uncovers a conspiracy involving dirty cops moonlighting as assassins. I think it's fair to say, Rich and Steve, this is a TV movie. If, it certainly yeah. feels like a TV it movie. It's not, like TV it's not a TV movie, movie but it does really? feel like one. It was sort of... They go out of their way to prove it's not a TV movie by having a completely unnecessary love scene (laughs) over the opening credits, which has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) It's like, no, we're going to make sure that people, you know, don't think this is a TV movie. It's, it's, Uh, um, (laughs) well, unless it's cable, but, um, yeah, unless it's cable. It's it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like a time capsule in itself, isn't it? Because that nothing says 90s thriller. Than having a um, you know a, a sex scene in in your movie yeah. for no reason, yeah. and and it, what is surprising here it is literally the first thing that happens in the film, and it's got nothing to do with the main characters, That's true. which is great. You know, it's it's a good sort of like I, I guess the kind of going for a um, a psycho kind of thing. You know, J- Janet Lee. Oh, you yeah. think this is the main character? Well, no. <laughs> you, know. Uh, you know what? I think you might. I think you might have something there that would make would make sense. The other side of me was just saying. They're just it's just exploitation. Just They're treading just water. To, yeah. Just trying to because it's Literally, really padded out opening yeah. credits. <laughs> all, all, you can almost feel the filmmakers staring at their watch, going, "Come on, come on, we need to we need to get to ninety minutes." This film is only eighty minutes. Is it? It's, right. it's, it's over minutes. after seventy-five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> and that's with the opening credits being as long as they are. Yeah, I, I was intrigued by this one because our hero, our protagonist, is none other than Dirk Benedict of. Um, the original Battlestar Galactica, and of course, Face Face Man from um, the A Team. Um, and I was very pleased to see him do a bit of, um, you know, homemade weapons building shenanigans yeah. towards <laughs> the end. I thought, where he goes all home alone. Yeah, he goes home, does yeah. somewhere between the A Team and Home Alone. I thought that was really cool. Um, he, he's pretty good at it, but he's hardly in it. Yeah, yeah, he is no, kind of not. peripheral, isn't he, to his yeah. own film? Yeah. Which is a bit it's of a all, Yeah, It's all about what's he called? Lance, Lance Legault, basically. Hmm. To be fair. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great, is it? You know, it is. You know, it's a 1992 cheap action thriller with hardly any action and not too much. I mean, the story itself is ludicrous really and yeah. he, he's, he's, he basically works the case out in 10 seconds he finds <laughs> his little book alright oh, this is what's going on then yeah. fair enough let's go 
kill some people and then, mm. then pull the reporter. Mm. <laughs> I I did like his relationship with the reporter though. I thought that was kind of well done. Um, yeah, nice and well, flirty, it, you know. It gets to do the charm, which you know, yeah. that's like the Templeton Peck kind of stuff. That is what you know yeah. what he was most famous for is is a charming sort of suaveness that that comes into play in those scenes, doesn't it? So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, yeah, there were, were a couple of decent stunts. There's the bit with the um, the van going off the cliff into into mm -hmm. the lake. That was that was well done. There, there's a bit where uh, there's an assistant DA. Who suddenly gets murdered by her boyfriend, or the guy you know who's been yeah. sort of chatting her up? That bit was quite good because you know because as soon as because it's it's all very nicey nicey, yeah. And as soon as he mentions the fact that she's the assistant DA, you suddenly realise what's about to happen. Yeah. Know, mm. about, like, hey, here's my friend. Here's my friend. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, that bit. It reminded me a bit of um, the boys from Brazil, actually. That bit. Um, there's a scene sort of similar in, in, in that mm -hmm. uh, somebody gets pushed off a bridge mm -hmm. to their death. But anyway, um, this, yeah, this yeah is... it seems like a romantic scene, doesn't it? And then it takes yeah, yeah, this really exactly. dark turn. That's, exactly, that's one yeah. of the most memorable bits in the film. I think. It is, yeah. Um, it's not really a lot more to say that apart from the ending when. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the bad guy does the whole reveal in the in the swivel chair. I thought that was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> oh no! The bit the bit that got me yeah. is where they're in like the the fun fair or whatever. Oh yeah. And he ends again. up he ends up killing the woman. The woman just turns up out of nowhere mm. and gets knife in the back. Yeah, the well that's because at the police station. I was oh mm. pissed myself like that. Well, that's the weird thing is like we've got the um, it's like get cut, it's like get if get Carter was an episode of Columbo or something, mm, and you've yeah. got him, him investigate. He Dirk Benedict doesn't appear until 15 min, minutes in. Bear in mind, yeah. this film is over after an hour and 15, so that's already an hour. His, his, yeah. his part of the film is only an hour. Um, that what we do, what we do in that Columbo kind of fashion is we know who the villain is straight away. Yep. Mm. There's no there's no mystery of trying to uncover it. And we actually end no. up following the villain almost maybe more yeah. than the hero. And yeah, he no. actually ends up investigating his own case because somebody uh, at one point uh, assassinates one of his team. And that's what is that that's that scene. Yeah. So he kind of ends up with ho his own sort of climactic reveal scene. Yeah. Um of, of I don't know, you know, it's like I don't know if they promised him to be like he's going to be like the hero kind of thing. So, so it's very odd because he gets his own. You know, Dirk Benedict isn't in that scene at all. It's just about him, and he uncovers who is the person who, who's who's you know, got a vendetta against his team or whatever. And um, yeah. it's it's you wouldn't normally see a scene like that. That wouldn't that wouldn't happen in a in a standard no, thriller. I don't think you would, you would be very much focused on the hero versus. And what the and the great thing here is. If you're an A-team fan, is not only have you got Templeton, you know, you got Face Man, but the bad guy, Lance Legault, was Colonel Decker. Hey. So you get so you get Face Man and Colonel Decker in a, in again up coming up against each other, which is all because actually they don't get, they don't really get much screen time together. But that's still quite cool if you're an A-team fan, I think. Mm. But it is a low budget film. It's it's written by it comes up at the beginning. It says written by Wayne Wynn. and I was like, is that a, is that like a joke sort of pseudonym? 
Mm. It's like, is that sort of, but I think it might be their real name because they seem to they seem to have quite a few credits um, on the IMDb. But yeah, it's, it's a very odd name. The assassination uh, at the moment at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, I thought was well done. You know, nice yep. bit of you know sort of squib work and stuff going on there. Um, except, it, except, yeah. I don't know if you noticed this that when the taxi drives off, there's no one in the back seat. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, yeah. I didn't notice that, but um, that's really that's um, that's good. The um, so yeah. Then we end up. Well, the weird thing is after that scene. So we've already had five minutes or so with this other character and his girlfriend, mm. and then and then we're with another cop character for ten minutes, and and then he's killed. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's only really. Uh, and it's like when's Dirk Benedict going to turn up? Oh, he turns up at the funeral. Um, and uh, yeah, he starts doing his investigation, but it's like it's very slight. He sort of pops in and out. He's got a few scenes. Really, is as we've said, Lance Legault gets all the much more interesting scenes. There's a whole there's a whole thing where Lance Legault is going off to meet like his paymaster, you know, the guy who he's working for, and yeah. there's all this stuff going on with them. And you know, um, Dirk Benedict never mixes with any of that, as far as I recall. It's, it's funny because because just... you got you got the Colombian drug lord scenes. Mm. And he'll say something, and he, he's got his sort of—he's got two women sort of hanging around, sort of uh, one blonde, one brunette. And every every time the brunette just says something like, "So, what are you going to do?" And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is like really amusing. But there you go. That was her and then you got thing. the yeah, and then you've got the asides where, like you say, there's the the scene. Then you've got the 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 police assassin scenes where they do their very thing and the and the one yeah. being taken out. So there's loads of all this other stuff happening in what is supposed to be essentially a procedural invo- led, led by Dirk Benedict, but it's mm-hmm. it's not. There's all this other stuff happening. Yeah. Um, there's a nice bit, you know, the the assassination with the uh, what they always used to do in all these old films where somebody's wearing these dark gloves and they're holding a detonator. Oh yeah, you know, like the Deadpool kind of because the Deadpool, I guess, was oh, yeah. a couple of years before this, and there was a few other films. I think Knight Rider used to do that sort of stuff as well. Oh yeah, but the um, yeah. Uh, so that was it. And you get these a lot of the a lot of the scenes that I recall. Um, it's just got wailing guitar <laughs> for ah, no wow. reason. Okay, so oh! I did I did want to I did want to mention the music because it sounded like they were riffing on Danger Zone. From um, Top Gun, it was uh-huh. the same sort of like, wah, 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 you know, the, the guitar was was so similar to uh, the Kenny Loggins song "Danger Zone." Um, I was going to uh-huh. say Harold Fultemeyer, but there you go. But um, yeah, I was thinking, are they are they basically just doing their own version of "Danger Zone" here? You know, but it's um, yeah, it, it it's it's fun. So it's a fun music. It's just always going on. It's like they're, they're walking yeah. around or they're having a conversation yeah. or something. And it's like, well, you know, we, <laughs> we mentioned that sex scene at the beginning, which has got the most yeah. inappropriate dramatic music to it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like dun dun dun, you know, moments in it. It's like, what? It's a sex scene. What? What's... <laughs> it's, it's very, very strange sort of like try, atmosphere you're trying to develop here. Um, and then we get the uh, typical sort of TV style end on a freeze rain. Yes, kind of thing, yeah, yeah. with a cheesy yeah. and a cheesy ballad playing over the end credits. You can't get much more eighties, nineties than that. Yeah. Especially since the dialogue continues after the freeze frame as well. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. really really odd because oh, it's like they froze it at the wrong point or something. Yeah. It's really, it's <laughs> very police squaddy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 
I'd say, you know, this is not a good film by any stretch of the imagination. But, but it's I think there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of entertainment value. There's a lot of reasons Absolutely. to watch it, I would say. Absolutely. And I do think the idea, the sort of the police, I mean, the, these police work, you know, mm. being these cold-hearted assassins, you know, we've seen variations on, you know, public corrupt police or whatever in various things, but not to this degree. I, I don't recall another one where they're just like, like these hit, they're basically working as hitmen. Mm. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's pretty wild, and unfortunately, this film doesn't really capitalize yeah. on that as much as it think, could do. Um, but yeah, I think the Richard Gere movie, in, Internal Affairs, yeah, that that, that had elements of that. Oh, so, did it? Okay. Yeah. And there was also the, I mean, the whole police thing and and you know corrupt units and all that. Another one that comes to mind, which was completely different to this, but um, was Full Eclipse. With Mario yeah, Van Peebles, oh, yeah. so they're like vampire. Yeah. Uh, no, not vampire. Werewolf, werewolf, cops, or whatever. I really want to see that again. Uh, actually, I, I don't know if I ever actually saw it. I, I saw the trailer a lot, really? but I don't know if I ever saw the film. Oh, but, well, if, you, uh, if you find it on, if you find it on any of the services, then we'll definitely yeah, cover. Do want to do want to see that? Yes. Cool. Awesome. Well, we don't score the throwbacks like we don't score the uh, the short shots. But I think you can guess that um, even though it's not a great film, there's certainly a lot to talk about. Um, it does have a certain level of entertainment value. Um, the version we found is on YouTube. We'll put a link to it. Um, it isn't the best high-res version, and it's very sort of square boxy. Uh, I think there's one scene where the, um, uh, the that assassination bit, you know, where the guy gets killed in the police car with the explosion. Mm -hmm. And the guy comes out of his house, and he's so pixelated because of the fire. You know, um, it, it, it takes ages for his character to sort of actually come into view because it's just like a bunch of pixels, unfortunately. But that's, that's you know, that's, that's what we're dealing with. But overall, it's it, it's not bad quality, I think. As an aside, have you ever seen? There was one other because I don't think Dirk Benedict has had many leading movie roles. Hmm. But there was one that I actually owned at one point, but I never watched. And funny enough, it's funny that you mentioned Top Gun, because he did a what a film that looked like on it on the surface that it was a Top Gun ripoff because it's called Blue Tornado, and basically it's written yeah. the font was written like Top Gun, uh, and it was him and Patsy Kensit. Did you ever oh, see that one? No, I haven't seen no. it. It's got something to do with UFOs and stuff, so I think it's it's not just it's not quite Top Gunny. Oh, okay. But I'd, I'd be really intrigued. I I've got to try and find that one now. To um to check to check that out because um yeah that's a rand that's a random sort of uh, combination of elements sort of Top Gun Patsy Kensit Dirk Benedict <laughs> so, mm. so um it's a I, I really should, I had it on video I had it on VHS I, I should have watched it back in the day but um but I never did and uh, yeah Blue so it's one of those day. yeah Just apart from that all his, the rest of his film cries sorry go on wasn't Patsy Kensit in Full Eclipse as well. Yes, she was. She, she was. was. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah. she had quite a run around the um, sort of Lethal Weapon three sort of yeah. time. Uh, two. Um, yeah. Sorry, two. Yeah, Lethal Weapon two, and she had obviously she had like albums out and stuff, didn't she? She was she was doing very well in in the sort, and obviously recently we saw her in uh, Renegades. So uh, yeah, that's she's still around. And um, yeah, so yeah, Dirk Benedict, interesting to see him in a in a feature. I don't think say they got quite. I mean, he's barely in this one. So uh, it's, that's that's a bit of a shame, but uh, mm. yeah, we enjoyed it. It's it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? It's a it's a it's say definitely not good, but definitely worth a watch. Yeah, that, um, that movie Blue, Bible kind of movie. Yeah. That, that Blue Tom Ada one you mentioned also has David Warner on it, so so we have to find. Yeah, I love it. David Warner. David Warner's great. It. 
Yeah, it is. Okay, so we'll put a link to the version we found in the footnotes. We we are we recommend you go check it out. And that is the end of this week's show. So thanks to Rich and Steve for going through these films with us. Um, looking forward to next week already. But um, yeah, there are a couple of good ones here. Uh, we did like uh, Fear the Night for sure. And the retirement plan was better than expected, if a bit uneven. And yeah, 10.31 was what it was. <laughs> so there we go. Um, thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.